shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing, that I will not overthrow the city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee. He's telling him again, Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou come hither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord of heaven. And he overthrew these cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city, that that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. So I was reading some commentary on this particular scripture, and uh, Charles Spurgeon he, he, he says, Spurgeon remembered a further tragedy remembering Lot's wife, that she almost made it. She had direction from the angel. She, they escaped thither, and fire and brimstone and, and was destroying the city, but she looked back, and she was destroyed because of it. And he says, doom, she almost made it. Doom befell her at the gates of Zor. He said, oh, if I must be damned, let it be with the mass of the ungodly, having always been one of them. But to get to the very gates of heaven and to perish there will be a most awful thing. Friends, we're going through this time in life and we're at the, we're at the end time. And I believe that with all of my heart. And we're at a time where we have to make haste. We have to get rid of the hindrances that so easily beset us. We have to lay aside those things and not think on those things. Lot's wife, uh, there's, there's different things. I was reading in some different commentaries where there's speculation on what her name was, but it doesn't say her name in this. It doesn't, doesn't have, have her, her inheritance. inheritance. All, All it has, it says Lot's wife looked, looked back because, because her, her heart was fixed on something that was not forward, but it was, but it was something back. back. All of her heart, her, her eyes, everything, everything that was within her was, was shown, shown in that, that very moment, moment when she looked back because she was given instructions from the angel to not look back. Don't look back at those things. And I believe that we're coming at a time in our lives and, and we're, there's, there's so many distractions, there's so many hindrances, and they can just overcome us. They can, they can overbear us to the point where we get our minds and our hearts so fixated on what the world um, what our natural desires need, what, uh, rather than what the Lord has in store for us. And, and so our, our vision is focused backwards when it needs to be focused forwards. So there's, a, there's this uh, devotional I like to read, and it says that um, in, in Hebrews 12.1, which is, uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we must get rid of every weight and the sin that clings so closely and want, run with endurance the race set out before us. Uh, that's Hebrews 12.1. So the weights which are, are not sins in themselves, but they become distractions, amen, and the stumbling blocks in our Christian progress. So we've got, a, we've got a progress. I've been reading in the Pilgrim's Progress a little bit here and there. And since Matthew Smith did that wonderful study a few, a few weeks ago, and I just, it inspired me to read into that. And this, this, this man, this Christian, is, he's going through the, the struggles of life, and he's got this burden on his back, but there's always some kind of distraction that's going to hinder him. And there's always, and it's, that's how it is with the devil. He, you, get, you get yourself on a path 
you know, you get, you get yourself in a good routine. You're reading the Bible every morning. You're setting yourself aside. You know, even, even the Lord himself had to, to, to hide himself away, to pray to God. Even Jesus himself, when he was here on earth, he had to, you find many scriptures where he says that he had to go without the disciples. He had to go without these things so that he could, he could focus his mind because there's so many things. And this was 2,000 years ago. So now there's so many things that can hinder our walk and our and our, our quietness with God to get us to where we need it to be. And those weights, sometimes those weights in our life aren't always sins in themselves. Yeah. You know, that we have things that we, that we do on a normal daily basis that, you know, they may not be distractions uh, at, that start. They may not be stumbling blocks that start. But as humans, we all have addictive behaviors and we all find ourselves where we, we can get into a place where uh, something that we like to do or some kind of activity that we get into, it becomes a distraction or a stumbling block in our Christian progress because it keeps us from this, the most important thing. It keeps us from that quiet time spent with the Lord. That is so important to have in this hour, to have a quiet time spent with the Lord. Amen? Amen. It says, one of the worst of these is despondency. The heavy heart is indeed a weight that will surely drag us down in our holiness and our usefulness. Now, if you look up the word despondency, it means that it's a, it's a state of low spirits caused by loss of hope or courage. So that's one of the devil's biggest te- techniques. He has, excuse me, he has two master tricks. One is to get us discouraged, and then for a time at least, we can be of no service to others. So when we're discouraged in our spirits, we allow, and those things are going to happen. It, it happens. We all get discouraged. But when we are like that, it can take us away from being a blessing and an, an encouragement to one another, which we're supposed to be. And, um, and we get so defeated. The other is to make us doubt, thus breaking the faith link by which we are bound to our Father. And look out, do not be tricked either way. And one of the things that, that, that we can find ourselves when we get discouraged in despondency, it says, so Israel found, found themselves a lot in those cases. It says the failure of Israel, this is um, one other devotional I was reading, the failure of Israel to enter into the land of promise began in murmuring. As the text of Numbers literally puts it, as it were murmured. Just a faint desire to complain and be discontented, this led on until it blossomed and ripened into rebellion and ruin. And let us give ourselves no liberty ever to doubt God or his love and faithfulness to us in everything and forever. We can set our will, and I want us to think on this for just a moment. We can set our will against doubt, just as we do any other sin, and as we stand firm and refuse to doubt, the Holy Spirit will come into our aid and give us the faith of God and crown us with victory. We can set our will against despondency, against discouragement. We're going to get discouraged. We're going to have things. We're going to have time where, where, you know, we live ordinary lives. So, you know, we get, you know, we have times of high, of, of mountaintops and times of valleys. And, and in a day, we all, we can have many valleys and many mountaintops and just in the span of a single day. But we can, if you 
you set your will against that, and if you find the time of your day and set aside a, a specific time, and you know, for me, it's you know, as, with a with an eight month old and a job and everything, it it seems like I can I can have as many excuses as I need, and oh, you know, Lord, I you know, I didn't I didn't get it to it today because you know I I had. I had my duties, my family duties. We all have those, amen? But if we can set aside time and set our will against that, because what happens is it's, it's, a, it's a cycle, it's a trickling cycle, that what happens is, is you, you allow that time to be taken away from the word or from, from, from setting your mind against those things, that those hindrances begin to build. And something that, like I was just talking just a minute ago, that's so small and doesn't seem like a big thing, you know, not spending maybe but a few minutes with the Lord, that builds and builds and builds, and over weeks and months and years, then it becomes something great and monumental. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. Amen? So we have to hear the word of God. And to the only way that we can hear the word of God is as if we read the word of God and as if we spend time in the word of God. Amen. You know, we sit in church and we have Sunday and Wednesday, and those are so important. I draw so much strength from it. I, I love church. And I mean, I've my whole, my the last, you know, couple years of my life, I've just tried every to get everything out of my life that, that would keep me out of church. And I, I, cause I, it's so important to be in church. I would say that with all of my heart, it's so important for you to be in the house of God. You draw strength from it. You don't get the at, the same atmosphere that you get when you're at home and you're streaming. I thank God for streaming. I thank God for it. I love it when I'm not able to be here. It's so awesome. Wasn't able to be here last Sunday and wow, I just, I felt an anointing in my car on my way home. It just, wow. But I would have rather been here. Amen. Um, but it's easy, it's very easy to fall into a habit of doubting or fretting or wondering if God has forsaken us and if all of our hopes are to end in failure. But we have to refuse that discouragement because that's just the enemy. And let us refuse to be unhappy and let us count it all joy, as that scripture says, when we cannot feel one emotion of happiness. Let us rejoice by faith, by resolution, by reckoning, and we shall surely find that God will make the reckoning real. So that's, this is right here, you know, we have to count it joy when we don't feel joy. We have to count it joy when we don't feel emotion. Sometimes we get on our knees and we cry out to God and my goodness, a supernatural presence comes and takes place and I love those times. But sometimes you get on your knees and you're praying and it feels kind of like it's hitting the wall. I, somebody said that not too long ago. It feels kind of like it's hitting the wall. And I mean, anybody else feel like that? I feel like that. And those are the times where you count it joy because those are the overcoming times where it's not, it's not always a, a, a supernatural high. The Lord is with you in those times, but he's also with you in those times where you're sacrificing. And my goodness, you know, you're, I'm tired and I want to just lay in bed and no, and but you spend time with the Lord, and He honors that, and He sees that, and then you're setting yourself against your own will, because we all have a will. Brother Matt uh, Watkins preached that wonderful sermon, and where you know when when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you know you have you still have that old nature back here. It's not in here, but it's back here, and it's always trying to overtake you. Amen. It's always trying to get you to 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 get you back to that. But if you set your will against it and keep your heart and mind fixed on Christ at all times, even in the emotionless times, that is that is that is where the overcoming. Um, part of our lives as believers can, can, can come into full fruition. 
Sadness can actually discolor everything. It leaves all objects charmless. It involves future uh, prospects in darkness. It deprives the, the soul excuse me, of all of its aspirations and, and, and chains all of its powers and produces a mental paralysis. And we all fall into those times where, you know, sadness can take place and, and it can, can cause a mental paralysis of, of, of just you feel so bound. Um, Luke 9, I want to turn in the Bible to Luke 9. And um, Luke chapter 9 and verse 57. And I've got a, a Schofield King James and it says, you know, at the header of this, it's, the, it's another test of discipleship. We're all disciples of Christ, right? So this is a test of discipleship. And it, it, verse 57 says, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whither, whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, remember what, Remember who, someone who looked back, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So Lot's wife wasn't fit for the kingdom of God because she looked back, because it's not so much in the act that she, you know, she looked back. We all have times where, you know, we're, we get discouraged in our lives, and, and we feel like we're looking back, but where is our heart? Where, the, where your heart is, that's where, that's where your treasures lie, and when, you, when your heart is fixed in the right place, then when those times of despondency do come, you have a, a solid rock foundation to set yourself upon. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's a commentary on that. It says uh, on, on chapter, verse 62, it says, Jesus's remark about being fit for the kingdom of God demonstrates the seriousness of commitment to him. Putting a hand to the plow means engaging in a task. Here the task is serving the kingdom. Looking back makes it difficult to plow straight furrows. So what, what Jesus is saying, you know, when you're looking back and you're, you can't move forward in a straight path, and we all know that straight is the gate and narrow is the way. So you're not, when you're doing this and you're trying to go forward, you're not going to be able to go in that straight and narrow. You're going you're gonna to be fixed on that. So that scripture, I think it's Proverbs 19 where it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I, believe, I was kind of just thinking on that and... There, you can have a vision and that vision be improperly placed if it's not fixed in the word. And so when your vision, when you have a vision, especially as believers, our vision is to always be fixed on, on where we need to be in Christ. You know, we have the, the natural things of life. Those are always going to be there. But to have a, a heart fixed on God and to have your heart in the right place, that's the most important vision that we need to have at all, at all times. 
Brother Brenham picks this up in A Hidden Life in 1955. It says, have you ever come to the place in life where Christ meant more to you than anything that you could do about your church? Has Christ meant more to you than all the world? I don't mean from an emotion or a mental workup. I mean from the depths of your heart, that something's settled in there, something's taken place, and you just don't know how it come, but you're hid away. And your whole motive is to serve Jesus Christ. Have you entered that place, my dear brother? Have you come into the place where you don't care what anyone says, not to go out and to act smart, but till the love of God is so anchored in you that you can't see nothing else? My goodness, that's where I want to be. Your whole motive is to do the will of God. That's where I want to be. Love for everybody, flowing free from everywhere. What a place to live. That is the hidden place. That's the place where we got to come, brethren. That's the place where God reveals his secret things. Hallelujah. That's the place where God does the placing and the calling. You get what I mean? Brother Benham says that. You get what I mean? That's where God does the placing and the calling, where we can get to a place in our Christian walk where, where we love our enemies. You know, that's a difficult thing, where we, where we uh, love those who despitefully curse us, I think is how it says. We, we pray for those who, we pray for those who, who have, a, 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 you know, something against us. We don't, we lay aside all the weights, all the distractions, all the burdens, and we run this race with, with a vigor in our hearts, with an with a earning and, and, and fullness in our hearts to serve God's will and his full will. Amen. And I want that, to, that hidden life. I want to I find that hidden life. Amen. Is anybody with me on that? I don't want to be like Lot's wife and to have my treasures fixed on that place where it was act- actively being destroyed and she looked back and was destroyed. I want to I wanna run this race and I want to do it. I think Brother Jason Watkins preached uh, a long time ago. You know, when, when you're running in, in a race, you know, marathons are different than the sprints. But either way, when you come to the end in that finish line, you get that extra, that extra stamina. There's something because you see the finish line. We can see that finish line. So we should be running. We should be sprinting to the end. We should, be, we should have all of our hearts and everything fixed on Christ. I, f- I feel like I'm kind of getting, as Brother Joe was saying, like a little bit preachy here, so forgive me for that, but um, just to have a heart for Christ and to keep your mind on the right things is so important. Like I was saying earlier, Jesus, Jesus himself had to find a secret place. He had to hide himself away. He had to pray to, to God. He had to find those times where he had it said that he had to withdraw himself so find that time today, find that time when you're at home, purpose in your heart to separate yourself from whatever. And you may lose a little bit of sleep out of it. You may, you know, whatever it is, maybe you can't even do it at home. You've just got so much going on. There's, you have time in your car. I mean, I've had some times where I'm driving in my car and I hear Brother Brandon ministering the gospel and I'm just, I'm sitting there. People, I only have one tinted window and whoever's looking at me probably thinks I'm crazy because I'm just going, amen, Brother Brandon, hallelujah, preach it. You have those times. Find, find those times. Amen. If we just all want to stand up to our feet and have a word of prayer.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you this morning. Lord Jesus, with just uh, open hearts, Father God, we, we thank you for the presence, Lord, of being in the house of God here on this Sunday morning. Lord Jesus, we pray, Lord, we just invite you now to come and, and to be amongst us, Lord Jesus. Father God, it says where two or three are gathered. Lord, we, we're, we're gathered here. We're all in one mind and one accord, and that's so that we can be convicted in our hearts, so that we can be changed today, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we pray that for the ministering of the gospel. We pray for Brother Joe, Lord God. We just lift him up in prayer, Lord God, that you'd anoint his words, Lord. Anoint, anoint our ears to hear what you have for us to say, Lord Jesus. Be with the musicians and the song leader, Lord God. Let it just be worship, Lord God. Let it be just a, a, a sweet savor, Lord, in your nostrils this morning, Father. We love you now, and we just ask, Father God, all these things now in the wonderful, precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.